share that with you this morning. I want to open with a story for you this morning as we celebrate this second Sunday in Advent. A story of a few years ago. Uh, Lauren and I were in South Carolina in Myrtle Beach, I think it was. And I was swimming in the ocean with, with one of her, her brothers uh, who was around 12 or 13 at the time. We were pretty far out from the, from the shore, because that's what 12-year-old boys do. And the waves started to pick up. The tide was going out. It was, it was mid-afternoon, so the tide was starting to go out. We decided at, a, at some point that the, you know, the waves were, were getting strong, that the tide was really uh, starting to pull us, so we decided we better, we better get out of the water. So we started to make our way back to the shore. It was a struggle. Every, every few strokes in the midst of the waves, uh, just to, to make any distance at all, just to even get a few strokes in between the waves, was a, a huge struggle. And since the tide was going out, there was an undercurrent that was happening, pushing back out. It was strong, and it was near constant, this current that was pushing against us. So that as soon as the wave lapsed, then the undercurrent would push back against us, almost putting us right back where we had started. So waves pushing one way, this current pushing the other, and no matter how hard we worked, it was very hard to make much progress like this. Hard really to get any closer to the shore. It's the same feeling that you, you, maybe you've had if you've ever had to walk somewhere through really deep snow, maybe to catch a bus. Uh, that's, uh, you can watch it as it you know, leaves the stop, right? Maybe same thing, having to walk over ice. What's that like when you have to walk through the deep snow or maybe on ice that doesn't really want to let you walk anywhere? What's that feel like? Scary. Scary. Feels like your legs don't work right anymore, doesn't it? Each step becomes heavy and difficult, slow and, and taxing. Never seem to make any progress or, or get any closer to where you're going. You work twice as hard, but you get half as far. This John the Baptist Sunday that we're um, experiencing together today, it's my, maybe my favorite Sunday in the whole church year. I mean, obviously Easter and Christmas and this kind of, but, but maybe this one is my favorite in the whole year because, because of this word that John has for us. The kingdom of heaven is coming near. And John points to that. But I kind of think sometimes when we, when we hear that, the kingdom of heaven is coming near, sometimes it can feel kind of like battling the waves or trudging through the snow. Like we're working really hard but not really getting there. First, a little bit about John the Baptist for those who may not be familiar with this story. John comes in the desert, and he comes wearing this camel hair garment that we read about. And Matthew includes these details, seemingly random, unimportant details, but he, he includes them in this message as a signal for the people of Israel. Look at these notes from, from the books of, of First and Second Kings. 
about the appearance and the behavior of prophets. 1 Kings 19.4 says, But he himself, when a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat under a broom tree. And then 2 Kings chapter 1 as well. 2 Kings 1 is a, a conversation between King... Um, I practiced this word. Uh, King... Ah <laughs> We're going to say Isaiah. It is not that, but it's close. Um, a conversation between the king of Israel and his messengers. And what happened was he had sent his messengers to speak to a certain prophet. And they came back having spoken not to the right or the intended prophet, but to a different one. And the king wants to know, who did you talk to? So his messengers answered him. He said, the person we spoke to wore a garment of hair with a belt of leather around his waist. And he, the king, said, it is Elijah the Tishbite. These notes from the book of Kings, the history book of the people of Israel, show us that the prophets often did their work in the wilderness, away from, from towns, just like we saw in that first passage. And so this is a signal that John is a prophet. John comes in the place where prophets go. He comes dressed like the prophets dress. And so this is a signal for the people of Israel. They haven't seen one of these prophets in living memory. Remember we talked last week that it was 400 years since God had, had last spoken to his people by the mouth of a prophet. So they hadn't seen one in any of their, their living memory. So this is their reminder. But it's a little bit more than that. Both of those verses that I just shared with you, both of them actually refer to Elijah. The, the he in the first one is Elijah, who went into the wilderness, and Elijah who wore the, camp, the, the, the hair garment and the belt. Both of these refer to Elijah. John the Baptist is dressing and behaving not like a generic prophet, but specifically like the prophet Elijah. And Matthew wants to point that out. Because remember what God said through Malachi in our reading from a few weeks back, chapter 4 of Malachi. He says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So Matthew wants his readers to know, not only is this a prophet, but this is a specific one. This is specifically Elijah, who God promised to send before he himself came. A, a major signal for these people that the rest of Matthew's story is going to be about the promised one they've been waiting for. So that's why Matthew opens up with these words and this description of John the Baptist to say this is Elijah and the next one you hear about is going to be the one that God promised. John has a similar message to that. He says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. I just want to say this quick thing about, about the idea of repenting. Repent is a word that means turn, a word that means turn. If you hear me repeat myself, it's because I heard the mic cut out when I said it, so I just want to make sure you're getting all the words. And this idea of turning, it's a Greek word, metanoia, that, it's the similar word to metamorphosis, when a tadpole turns into a frog, for example, a caterpillar and a butterfly. And this idea of turning, it, it means to turn away from something that's, that's not so good, something that's less than ideal, but also to turn toward something that's better. Turning away from, but also toward. Here's what I want to say to us about, about repenting, about turning, 
as we sometimes have this expectation of others around us that they would repent, that they would change their behavior, right? Turning, turning something is often a slow process. Think of a ship or a train. If it's big or if it's going really fast, going in a new direction takes a great deal of time and effort and energy. So just keep that one thing in mind. If you're, if you're expecting someone to turn, to repent, to behave differently, uh, maybe more like you feel a Christian or a church person should behave, uh, keep that in mind. Turning takes time. And so they need patience and support and grace. But that's not where I want to focus this morning quite. What I want to focus on is the last, the last part of John's announcement. The kingdom of heaven is near. When we hear that something is near, there's two ways to interpret that, right? You guys will recognize this when I say it. You're all intelligent people. Two ways to interpret that when we hear that something is near. One is that the time of waiting has almost finished. That the clock has almost counted down, right? And that sort of fits with our season of Advent, as we've been talking over the past few weeks, lighting more and more candles, maybe eating another chocolate each day from your Advent calendar. Anybody do that? One one does? You should do this. It's fun. Tasty. Uh, In this Advent season, right, we're counting down days. We're counting down time until Jesus comes. And so this idea of, of, of... the kingdom of God is near, like as, as in time, does sort of fit with our Advent message. But if, if that's what John means when he says the kingdom of heaven is near, if he means that we're getting closer and closer to it in time, well then that's when it starts to feel like wading through the waves or, or trudging in the snow. You ever feel that way? Like you're, like you're looking for, struggling toward this kingdom that God promises, but, but never getting much closer to it. Like it's out there in, in the distant future somewhere, but, but nothing you can do brings you any closer to it. If that's what John means, that the kingdom of God is, 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 a, is a point in time that will come in the future, like Christmas Day comes after Advent, then it doesn't much matter if it's near. Because Christmas Day, the day that Jesus came, is, is fixed on the calendar, isn't it? Nothing you can do will move you any closer to it. Every kid knows this pretty well. Even if you were to go home today and eat every single chocolate out of your Advent calendar, it would still only be December the 8th, wouldn't it? Nothing you can do can move you closer. If reaching the kingdom of God is like waiting for Christmas to come, waiting for the time to take away, then we're fighting the waves and plodding in the snow, trying to get there. But nothing we can do moves us any closer, and we never seem to make much progress to it. You know this, and you feel it. For example, every time friends and family hurt you and let you down, and your steps toward that kingdom God promises get a little heavier, or you have struggles and setbacks at at work or at school, 
Or maybe you fall into the same old thought patterns, the same, the same habits, the same sinful behaviors, or, or the darkness of depression or anxiety crops up in your life again and, and closes you in again, or the people that you love get sick and pass away, and you get knocked backward a little bit, and it seems like that kingdom, those promises of God, when all that stuff is over with, it seems like we're just not getting any closer to it. There are so many things that can make our way in this life slow and taxing and difficult. And if this kingdom of heaven is a point in the distance, like waiting for the day of Christmas to arrive, it doesn't really matter how near it is, because it's never quite near enough, is it? We can never really manage to get close enough. And even if we didn't have all that other stuff weighing us down, even if all those other experiences weren't happening to us, the reality is we're broken and we're flawed, and none of us can get there on our own. So if that's what it means, that it's this fixed point in time and we have to trudge our way to it, it does not really matter if it's near. But here's something, something interesting that I learned about this word near. The kingdom of heaven is near. Something that changed my whole thinking about John's announcement. And I'm really excited to share it with you. Most of the time when we see this word used throughout the Bible, most of the time it doesn't mean near in time, like a clock ticking down. Most of the time it means near in space, near in location, as in close by. The kingdom of heaven is close by. Think back to, think back to Christmas when, when you were a child, or if you are a child, just think back to now. You went to bed on Christmas Eve, didn't you? And, and your, your living room was just the same, same old regular room that it had been all year. But you get up the next morning and the, the living room is transformed, isn't it? The tree is lit, Santa has come, the stockings are stuffed, and there's piles of gifts in, in bright paper. Think about that moment, when that, when that place is transformed, that place that had just hours before been the same old regular mundane place, now it's transformed. Think about that magic and that joy that comes along with that because of this transformation that has occurred. Your same living room, but now, now transformed by this new thing that has come, by a new reality that, that has arrived for you. That's what I think John has in mind when he says the kingdom of heaven is near. That's what I think he means. Not there's a place on the horizon for you to struggle toward and fight for. Instead, that the kingdom of heaven has now come close by to you. Heaven has come close to earth. And I don't, I don't know quite what that means. One scholar that I read this week as I was preparing uh, related this to the Garden of Eden. Heaven and earth and the Garden of Eden very tightly connected together, right? Uh, God walks among the people. And so this idea of, of uh, the kingdom of heaven is close by, uh, relating it back to this Garden of Eden experience, is that this is a return to the, the very good way that God intended things to be all along. I don't know quite what it means theologically or philosophically, but here's what I do know for, for each one of you. It means God's kingdom comes to you. When you're weary, when you're tired, when your steps are heavy, you, your way is full of obstacles, when heaven feels like a far-off place and you'll never make it, God comes to you. 
He brings his kingdom, his peace, his protection, his joy, his hope, right to you, right into your life. And what that means then is that you're free from that struggle. You're free from the hard swim or the long walk. You don't have to fight for it or struggle toward it or measure up to it. You don't have to be good enough or nice enough or well-behaved enough. Like a child waking up on Christmas morning to a, to a scene of joy and magic, your reality is just different. Your world is transformed. Not by what you have to do, but what, by what God has done for you coming right into your life. He has come to you. He's come to you in the, in the waters of your baptism, bringing the benefits of his presence, the benefits of this new reality. He's come to you in the waters of baptism, giving you his Holy Spirit. Look at these words in the book of Acts. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, Jesus promises, John chapter 14, is uh, your helper and your guide. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that is, the Spirit, to be with you forever. God has come into your life right where you are in the waters of baptism, and he continues to come to you, bringing the, the benefits of that new reality each week in the meal that we're about to share. Each week in that meal, each week in this community of believers gathered together to share the struggle together, that you would not walk alone. He comes to you also through his word. Each and every day of your life, he comes to you through his word to give you a comfort and hope. Over and over and over again, relentlessly, tirelessly, whenever, when you feel like your, your feet are weary and your progress is slow or sometimes backward, he comes to you. When you can't make it, when you can't get where, where we're struggling to get, he comes to you. That's the invitation in, in repent. When John says repent, that's the invitation. Turn. Turn from the hard view of the long road that you have to trudge and slog through yourself. Turn and see what is here before you. Turn from the loneliness, the feeling of isolation, of being an outcast, and see instead community and support. And if you're here, by the way, be prepared to give that, or don't be here. Turn from the despair and see hope. Signaled and sealed and promised in an empty tomb. Turn from the despair and see hope that says even death itself, and, and by the way, we're seeing a lot of it these days. Turn from that despair and see the hope that says even death itself is no match for the God who comes. Turn from the fear of never measuring up and see the assurance of your forgiveness each and every time that you stumble, place literally into your hands, literally into your mouth, God's promise of forgiveness for you. Turn from the anxiety and find, a, find peace in the words of comfort and assurance. Turn and see God's great love for you. Not a far-off dream, something to fight for, but a real, present reality. Because God himself has come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to take a moment and reflect on what you've heard so far. What's Jesus asking you or inviting you to believe or do differently this week?